Hello, and welcome to the Pray the Miracle podcast. This is a short-run podcast of just a few episodes to help you pray the miracle this year. My name is Jimmy Houck. It's my desire that this podcast would be a tool and an encouragement for you this year as you pray for two people who are close to you but far from God. There are so many ways that our prayers can be derailed, whether it be discouragement, lack of discipline, the normal distractions of life, or even just not knowing where to start. We created this podcast to dive into some of these topics for discussion and to help you break through those barriers years. Let's jump into this week's episode. Well, I'm Jimmy Houck. I'm the outreach pastor here at Bethany Baptist Church. I'm here today with Josh Beakley. Josh is pastor for teaching and care at Bethany. Josh, I'd love for you to just take a couple minutes to share a little bit about yourself. These podcasts are primarily for our church family, but we may have others that will be hopefully taking opportunity to use this resource. So tell us a little bit about your family, where you grew up, how long you've been at Bethany. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Jimmy. It's humbling to be here. Honored to have been serving here at Bethany on staff for a little over 10 years. And before that, if I track back to where we first came to know Bethany, our family, my parents had a religious background, but we weren't going to church when I was younger and we'd moved to the Peoria area. We had some neighbors who attended Bethany. And so they had invited us a couple of times. We had gone once and my parents didn't like it at all. And we all agreed not to go back. And through some events in our family's lives, the Lord brought about a desire in my mom to return to Bethany. We came back and heard the gospel and there was dramatic work both my parents. And then I got to hear the gospel for the first time there. And I responded and decided to follow Christ and my sister as well. The Lord led my dad to follow a call to ministry. So trained out in California and then uh, became missionaries in Africa. So lived there for some time. God brought me back to California, training seminary. Eventually in his grace, he brought me back here to be on staff. Very honored to be here. I'm uh, so thankful for your story because you are uh, just a treasure of a friend. And so as the guy who loves evangelism and missions here and wants to get everybody else to love evangelism and missions. Your story definitely is an inspiration because it's your family came to know Christ because they were faithful saints some 20 years or more ago. We're just simply living the things that we're, we're trying to encourage people to do today and throughout this podcast and really just throughout ministry, right? And the theme of praying the miracle strikes a note with me because, yeah, those neighbors were praying for us and we were on a prayer list, you know, long before we knew uh, <laughs> people were praying for us and the Lord yeah. worked a miracle and feel like I get to enjoy being a walking miracle and seeing that in my family. Got to see it first person. You know, I'm blessed to be here along with my wife and three kids and be a part of that same mission and, and excited to see what God's going to do. And yeah, it's just an honor. It's a, it's a joy to be a part of, of the same church that God used in your family's life so powerfully. Praise God. Yeah. Well, you know, this year we're trying to encourage and equip our church to pray the miracle. In other words, we're, we're seeking to grow in our, our practice of intercession for the souls of lost people. So each episode of this podcast seeks to provide help so that we can overcome barriers that might keep us from praying the miracle. And today we're talking about the need for community and how the lack thereof affects our lives and evangelism. Before the podcast started rolling here, we were talking about how this is a little bit of a challenging topic because community is so big and evangelism and prayer is another topic. And it's like, well, how do these things relate? So we'll try to stay on, on topic here. And one of the ways we'll try to do that is, first of all, let's define our terms. Josh, how would you define community? Yeah. So community is a buzzword that you hear in a lot of places, not just in a religious context, you know, maybe just 
saying it's a group of people that share something in common that bonds them together. So there's this group and they're they're surrounding or rallying around something that's uniting them. There's a lot of things that communities form around. So obviously geography is one of mm-hmm. where they're just in the same location. It could be culture, it could be demographics, life stage, some kind of shared interest, which often is what we see manifest online, right? Communities forming around some particular interest, some favorite movie or book or sport or something like that. But in this context, we're talking about, you could say biblical community or you could say gospel community. The thing that unites us that we're bonding around is following Jesus together. Mm. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about community in this context, I'm thinking about a people who are committed to following Jesus together in a, in a very specific way, the, the people who've made that commitment as a local church family. So that's often when I think of community, I think of how together happens in a local church following Jesus. That's good. Yeah. Following Jesus together, that's kind of our, our church tagline. Our vision statement, Jesus is the the common thing that draws us together. A love for him, a trust for him, a trust in him. Let me ask you, so when we think about the topic of prayer, and I'll throw in evangelism, do you agree that a lack of community can negatively affect a person's prayer life or, or their evangelism? Um, like, would you agree with that assertion? Like, why? Why do you think that these things are, are together? Yeah, we did, we did a whole series about how following Jesus doesn't happen alone mm-hmm. and why it matters that we do so together, why being in a part of a church family, part of a community that, mm-hmm. that believes the gospel and, and lives it out together because the scriptures are so filled, as you think particularly about gospel community and the New Testament church, so many commands can only be lived out in community mm. with other mm. people. You can't obey those commands alone. And a lot of times people refer to them as one another commands. So mm-hmm. they, they require relationship with others in a church family. And following Jesus, I, I agree, you have to be together with others to f- live out the fullness of God's call upon his followers in the New Testament. And, you know, community is the word that we're using to define that. So then does it affect your ability to have a healthy life of prayer and evangelism? Absolutely. Because yeah. it's a, a core part of what it means to follow Jesus. And so just because clear because it's like you said, none of us were defining community as like having Jesus as the common factor. Like if we are Christians, like we, none of us can be completely void of community, right? But some of us may be lacking it more than others, right? There's, there's some, there's gotta be, don't you think there's some kind of a continuum, right? So, so let's take everybody here at Bethany. Don't you think some of us are doing a little bit better job are experiencing more strongly following Jesus together with the togetherness than others? Would you, would you say that's true? You know, I think you look at the New Testament church, you, you know, you can look at some of the churches that struggled, like some churches, if you said community, would probably cause a warm, fuzzy feeling with everybody <laughs> in the church. And I think some churches, like if you walk into Corinth and said, hey, let's have community, do community, I, I think some would rejoice and others would, you may would see, start you may to get grumble. some daggers. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think in that particular context, not everybody was experiencing community the same, right. in the same way, in the same depth. And uh, specifically as it got toward, I think, First Corinthians chapters 10 and 11, and it gets towards this issue of their gathering for mm-hmm. communion as they mm-hmm. and as they would eat together. Paul said, actually, if you're gathering together, it's not good when you come together because it's exposing a lack of community, really. So the, the natural community, as it were, of our sort of typical bonds that we're coming together, we're eating a meal, we're in the same place, it was yeah. exposing the lack of supernatural community and the friction and the, the divisions that were among them. So I see that in the New Testament, you know, yeah. simple as Corinth. So yeah, so, it, it doesn't surprise me if we're going to experience that in any local church, including our own. So let's bring it to Corinth with Pray the Miracle, right? So let's say we're in Corinth. What reason do you think some of the Corinthians would probably not be doing a great job with evangelism and with praying for the lost? Do you think some of the divisions and some of the, the messiness 
and like the lack of community that we read about in the book of First Corinthians, maybe some of the the symptoms or the the consequences of that, which is like, hey, you know what? There's probably a lot of people that aren't praying the miracle there. They're probably struggling to to be committed and faithful in praying for the lost there. I think that's true. And if so, why? Let's let's try to tease that out, like why these things fit together and why they're so important. When I think about what's going on in Corinth and in other passages, you know, you call forth Galatians when Paul talks to Peter in a similar scenario when they're gathering and you have Jews and Gentiles and there's some hypocrisy that shows that's a, a rift relationally that Paul calls Peter, he confronts him and, and says, your conduct is not in step with the gospel. Mm. Community mm. is a very exposing place where our relationships are showing whether we're in step with the spirit, in step with what the gospel calls us to live out. And uh, mm. so community exposes that in a way that when we're isolated, it, it's not seen. And those fissures in our lack of obedience to God's call in relationship, exposing those challenges is an important part of recognizing why we aren't on the same mission or don't share the same goal. And some things that God might be exposing, just like if you have a a splinter in your eye, it's really hard to compete you know, on the court or on the field, mm-hmm. uh, this thing is really causing challenges the same way in the community. Like once you have sin and conflict and division, it occupies your attention and energy and keeps you from being a part of being fruitful or effective, Paul would say, in the mission that God has. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I think the challenges there we see in Corinth provide a distraction and a hindrance towards being in step with the gospel. So living it out in a worthy way and then having the desire to share it in a way that's compelling. Mm. And I just think about like my, my community group and like I think about how because I'm experiencing community with those people and there's a closeness with people, you know, I can name totally. their names, you know, there's this closeness that I have with them because we're following Christ together. We're making commitments together to invest in each other's lives. But but then that closeness means that when they share like a burden for, for one of their neighbors and when they share like a story, you know, maybe a celebration story of like, hey, like I was able to have so-and-so come over and help me build this fence. It's like, because of the community that I feel with them, that affects my heart. And guess what? When my heart is affected because I'm following Jesus, my prayers are affected. And so like that's that's some of the ways like just kind of boots on the ground that I see. It's like, yeah, like knowing and loving other believers and and walking closely with them where it's like we're we're aware of each other's burdens first of all there's an awareness there's this this life on life carrying each other's burdens I think there's actually curious what you think about this but like I, I really think that there is this like willful decision to like emotionally carry a brother or a sister's burden we have to make you know or, or to, to really be able to carry it right so I'm thinking Galatians 6 right like I think there's an actual I don't think we just I don't think I just naturally like carry people's burdens because I'm in a community group is what I'm saying. Sure. Right. Like I'm in a community group and like I hear them sharing and by the spirit and, you know, I feel like I have to make a willful decision to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to bear that with them. And when I do, it's like, I can't help but pray for the lost, right? I don't know. What do you, what do you think as process what I'm saying to you? I agree with you. There's something unique and internal and volitional about what it means to bear one another's burdens. It's not a passive thing and it often leads, compassion drives you towards an action, but sometimes that action is an internal, invisible action of prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. 
a resonation, you know, a resonance between you and their spirit and expressing love and empathy, but then uh, interceding for them. So yeah, the, the Galatians passage about bearing with, uh, helping to carry. I also think of, of First Peter 5, where there's a sense in which also, you know, we have these cares that we carry and we cast them upon the Lord because mm, he cares for us. And mm. even in that sense, we're praying, but it's so internal. It's so intangible how we're casting, we're throwing these things that weigh upon our hearts and our souls up to the Lord, trusting he's going to mm. uh, help carry those and, and express his compassion towards us in ways that are meaningful, but we, we might not even understand exactly how it's going to happen. You know, as you connect yeah, with people and build relationship, it's inevitable and, and it, it's almost something that you begin to experience, uh, mm. even though there's intentional choices and moments. I mean, you mm-hmm. just start to carry those burdens. And I think mm. that the truth of the gospel, especially diving into the the beauty of, you know, like Ephesus and you think about, or in, in the, the church in Rome, where Jews and Gentiles are coming together and mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so much that separates and what Paul is saying in, in Christ and what God's done in this common spirit, this spirit that unites you in the gospel you actually have more in common now that, mm. that this is a union that's powerful, supernatural. It's going to extend into eternity. And so now you're part of the same body. Mm-hmm. And so when one member suffers, you are suffering. Now, whether or not you are experiencing it to the depth that... That they are, or, or that maybe even those that are in their community group are, right? Yeah. You're, that's a, there's a difference. Yeah. There's a, a learning and a growth of understanding of appreciating, empathizing, and then sharing in that suffering. And when you talk about that continuum, when you live as if you are not a part of the body or as if you're a more important part of the body and you disregard other members, mm. then you're, you're missing out on the beauty of God's design for, mm. for church. And that's going to have an impact on your prayers and on your participation in the mission of what's Christ accomplishing in the miracles that he's doing all around you, primarily in rescuing people from eternal condemnation and bringing them into this body and this family that's going to extend into eternity in in the most joyful and wonderful way. Like Mm. anything getting in the way of that, say, well, I want to remove that from my life. If community is a part of how God has called us to build and uh, to be a part of that mission and to accelerate our own involvement and growth in it, Mm. then absolutely we need to prioritize and make commitments related to community that are going to require some sacrifice. But but if we don't see, and I understand what you're trying to do here, connect the dots between our involvement and what the church is doing, what God's calling, and how that connects to community, then we're going to struggle to make those kinds of commitments and sacrifices because the world has all kinds of distractions and things that we can be engaged in. Yeah, that's so good. As we're trying to connect the dots, between community, evangelism, and praying the miracle, like praying for the lost. I would love for you just to give me a story where all the stars align. Do you have any stories, anything that you've experienced in your community group, your family, personally, where it's like praying the miracle, praying for the lost was happening, and community was harnessed? somebody got to hear the gospel. Yeah, there's all kinds of examples when I look at our own community group. So as we're sharing prayer requests, there's different members who are going to share, hey, pray for us. We have this opportunity to share the gospel or we have coworkers or friends or family in this context. And so, you know, over time we get to know some of those individuals and are able to pray and ask for our family. You know, we, we have a number of neighbors that we're, we're praying for. It's convicting in so many ways, partly because we had neighbors praying for us. So mm, asking our neighbors, mm. our community group, hey, pray for us and our love for our neighbors and opportunities to share the gospel. So we're trying to grow in that. We asked for prayer. We had one family 
family who a number of, of families in our neighborhood are Muslim. And so we had one family that we were working with just to get to know them. Mm. Exceedingly kind family, very mm. kind and great neighbors and wanted to get to know them just in general. But it's taken quite a bit to just arrange schedules and to even feel comfortable. But we were able to enjoy having them over for a meal. And there was a great conversation, lots of fun. But then it did lead to a moment, a decision moment, like, okay, are, are we going to just sort of let this end on a nice evening and wait until the next conversation. And and I don't think that would have been wrong or sinful. It just was deciding, okay, I've asked our community group to pray for this moment. We've been telling them about this opportunity. My family's also here watching. And there was a moment where it just became an opportunity and asked them what they know about Christianity. And, you know, they said they knew the basics and asked them, well, do you know the gospel? And they were familiar with the term, but not really the the content of the gospel. And so just took that opportunity to step in and share the gospel. You know, they were exceedingly respectful, very Mm. kind. And it was so humbling for me as a reminder of how intense the claims of Christ are, Mm. that they are claims, that they're powerful, that they're unique, and that they also demand a response. And it's why it requires boldness. And here I am, the pastor, and I'm reminded, I told them, I said, I'm a pastor. And if you're, if you're going to be in my home, I, I, I can't help but tell you what I believe is the most important thing uh, Mm. that I could ever share. And uh, I'm thinking for our members, if it's intimidating for me as a pastor to, mm, to, to mm. Uh, take that step. And, and I'm depending on the prayer of, of people yeah. and even my family around me. I, certainly our members are going to be depending on praying for, for that miracle. And, you know, so they were, like I said, very respectful. It's an opportunity, but an opportunity to rejoice that, hey, God gave us boldness, opportunity to love our neighbors, hopefully more to continue to love them and get to know them and talk more with them about Christ. But it was encouraging the support we had from our community group leading up to it, during it, and then after. Well, and then there's also just the community of your family, the community between you and Janae. I love how, I, I know for a fact, you didn't say this, but I know Janae. And so I know she was praying for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, the, you know, it's the moment where you're following each other's lead. She looks over me and it's like, oh, okay, he's going for it. Buckle up. You know, and everybody <laughs> felt that. Okay. Yeah. Even the kids like, oh, dad's going to share the gospel. Buckle up. Because yeah. we had prayed for yeah. the opportunity before. And it's not like this one-time thing. We hope we have opportunities to live out and then to share the gospel yeah. on, in ongoing ways. And Lord willing, they would get to see others in our church family also to encounter that. So it's not just like a one-time thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But to walk through the gospel does require boldness. And there yeah. are some claims of Christ that you do need to state. Understanding that my wife and then and even and the kids, kids recognize, yeah. oh, okay, dad's doing a hard thing right now. And then the conversations that we had as a result, because mm, the truth mm. is our kids have way more conversations with our neighbors mm. and the neighbor's kids about mm. the gospel and they come in and we talk about it. So yeah, the the support that we had from the community group and the accountability and the encouragement ongoing. Mm. Hey, what opportunities do you have to love your neighbors and to continue to pray for them? And we're being grown and changed through that process. And my own self-focus is being exposed through recognizing this person matters to God so much mm-hmm. more than all these things that I get occupied with. Mm-hmm. Something that I've been doing this year is uh, taking a deep dive into the book of James. And so something that you're saying about just, just the body, the need to be for one another, the need to have like humility to not think that like one part of the body is more important than the other. It kind of, it just reminded me of, of the book of James and the kind of wisdom that James says in James chapter three, he says, is from above. He says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts or 
or in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And so anyway, I, th- I think about how community of, of people work. And like, I think about our church here at Bethany and so many different kinds of people, different skill sets, different personalities. And I think about how there's always this like danger in trying to pursue ministry of operating with a worldly wisdom and not realizing it. I feel like there's such a danger of trying to serve Jesus, whether it's in the nursery or like in, a, in my community group or with my unbelieving friend that I'm trying to draw to Christ. I feel like it's so dangerous and tempting to be about these good things, but actually applying like a selfish ambition, a jealousy that is not from above. And then on the other side, I think this pure wisdom that comes from above, and I I see that in Paul. He's able to say like, I'm in prison. These other guys, they're preaching the gospel and they're advancing in their ministry. And it's actually like getting in the way of his ministry. (laughs) It's actually, we don't fully understand the context. There's not a ton of detail detail on it. But in some way, their growth of ministry while he was in prison was harming him. And yet he was able to rejoice in it because they were at least preaching the gospel. And he could see how even though there was harm coming to him, there was incredible good coming to Christ and for his name. And I, I just think about how community is not easy. It's not perfect. But when our eyes are on Christ and, and exalting Christ, it allows us to, I think, pray like Paul and have the kind of wisdom that James is calling us to have in James chapter three. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. That passage in, in James three seems like it's sort of the capstone of that book of James, like the mountaintop that James builds up to and then, and then out from and flowing right out of that. He talks about, before that, he talks about conflict, speech, and the, the tongue like a fire. And afterwards, he talks about conflict and quarrels that happen within even a church community and community of God. And he specifically dives into prayer. He talks about, you want these things and you're, you're mm. not getting them. And so it's breeding quarrels and fighting. But he says, you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Mm. So he directly addresses the issue of the heart and says, look, you know, all this conflict, go to God with your desires. And then what what happens is your desires are actually being exposed as not of the will of the Lord. And you need to be reminded of, of how Jesus taught us to pray, not my will, but your will. Mm. And as you start to align yourself with the will of God and your prayers, you realize, wow, there's so many things that are occupying my speech, my heart, and even my prayers that aren't in line with the will of God. They're just selfish desires that, mm. that I have. And, and they can masquerade as really good desires, right? Absolutely. Maybe even in the same day, it can go from a good desire to a bad desire. Yeah. You know, let's say I'm a missions guy, right? So let's say like, I'm like, I want to take a mission trip. I want to lead a mission trip to Japan. This is totally pretend. But let's say I wanted to do that. That's a good thing or a neutral thing, leading a mission trip to Japan. And the same day, my desire for that thing can be fueled by either by like, the wisdom from above, which is like pure and, and Christ-like and, and Christ-exalting, 
And then I feel like I, in the very same day, maybe in the same conversation, all of a sudden like selfish ambition and like jealousy, promotion of self can get in there. And so here's why I think this is so important. And and maybe we took too much time on this. It comes back down to prayer because I actually think prayer and evangelism can help community as much as community can help evangelism. So maybe we can kind of end on that as kind of like what we're talking about here. Because I think that when I'm praying for the lost, for instance, if I'm praying for the lost in Japan and for the name of Christ to be exalted. And then when I'm praying for others in their ministry, it's very hard for me, for instance, to have bitterness and jealousy for you, Josh, when I'm praying for you and your ministry. If I'm praying for for somebody who lives next to you for your neighbor, or if I'm praying for your kids to come to know Christ, guess what? It's pretty hard for me to be harboring bitterness, jealousy, and hurt towards you. So, oh, wow. All of a sudden, like intercession, yeah, praying the miracle can feed into like just overall everything of following Jesus together, right? I think I, I understand. We talked about the overlapping circles, kind of that Venn diagram of like the idea of community. And then you're, you're talking about how evangelism and prayer overlap with that. Some people might not even think they overlap, you know, like they're two different things. And I might desire community, you know, in your analogy here. And like, man, I'm really upset at how I don't feel community and I feel disconnected and prayer and evangelism feel like unhelpful toward that goal. Mm, Um, mm. But then when you, when you realize in their alignment with God's will, I'm like, oh, if I invest in praying the miracle and thinking about evangelism, I actually, a byproduct might be that I experience a deeper community because ultimately Mm. I'm focusing on the things that matter to God and the community that we have in the gospel. It comes from God's spirit. He's the one who bonds us together in this supernatural way. And as we're aligned with, with what God makes clear through his word and the will of his spirit, and we're praying for those things, understanding what he's calling us to in James 4, that actually the fruit of the spirit and what he produces and what you read there in James 3, the harvest of, of righteousness that comes in the blessing of community is actually, it can be a byproduct of focusing on the things that matter most to God. Because mm, when you mm-hmm. describe that example of praying, for example, for me and, and my kids, you pray for others, you're putting things in perspective. Mm. So mm. Uh, there's all kinds of things that could occupy our attention and time for investing, for communication, to talk about, to think about, to labor for, to invest in. When you start to pray and you think about people who are going to spend an eternity without Christ, and you think about the judgment of God for sin, and you think about the wondrous good news that that we have in, in Christ to bring hope and light into that life, it brings perspective on what matters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that just like when you're focused on a particular task at work or, you know, a mission when it relates to, to the military or, like I said, on the athletic field, there's some kind of endeavor that starts to put things in perspective and you can deal with certain kinds of suffering temporarily because you recognize this is such a short-lived and such a small thing compared to what I'm actually investing in. Mm. And that seemed to be Paul's perspective there in Philippians 1, other places that he explains deeply in Romans 8, look, this is, this is nothing compared to what we have ahead. And mm. if you can invest in that in eternity, because that's mm. the only thing you can bring with you across the threshold of death, you're investing in people that will come with you in eternity. That perspective just shapes everything and it helps you understand what are unprofitable discussions that mm-hmm. aren't really a good use of time compared to things that, that matter. And you know, when you talk about community, I guess there, there's all kinds of things that we imagine in an ideal world. And uh, we imagine like, this is what evangelism should look like, or this is what a miracle would look like and mm. all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking in community with like your group and you have the names and they're talking about their neighbor, like this is real life. This is a real soul. And you realize there's not some fancy imaginary way that all kinds of things are going to happen. Like Mm. this is maybe the best person that God's put in their life to share the gospel with them. 
Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. the front lines. And mm. you realize like this is a real person with real stakes and this is the person. And I'm like the, the next person to resource, to hold that person accountable, to encourage them, inspire them. And when they're sharing the unique challenges, like, okay, well, this is the Lord's work of, of putting this person in their life. They're the neighbors that's going to pray for so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I get an opportunity to try to inspire, to encourage and pray for them. Understanding that in perspective and being on the front lines and, and like a real soul coming into eternity rather than whatever pretend things we imagine is so much more compelling and mm-hmm. so much more exciting to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, pray. God. There's a there's a phrase that I've heard. It, it doesn't necessarily come from the Bible, but I'm just curious, like, what would you say to this? I've heard it said, if you aim for community, you'll miss it every time. But if you aim for the mission of God, you can't help but find community with, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I, I think I understand the, the notion that's behind that statement. You're trying to, to focus on the primary and let the byproduct come as a result of what God's doing. It does come back to terms, you know, like sure. what does it mean to focus on community? Because if it's a reality that God is bringing about and one that he declares, one that he's accomplished, then sometimes if you're not thinking about that and you're thinking more of it, a feeling that you want to have or an experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I, I think that the statement rings ex- exceedingly true. You know, sure. like I want to yeah. feel this thing. Yeah. Well, if you're chasing a feeling or experience, then yeah, I think you're in great danger of getting way off track. But if you're focused on the things that are clearly revealed in God's will and you mm-hmm. allow mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. him to bring the fruit of, of experiencing community that, in the ways that you would long for, and it's right and good to pray for those things. But yeah, I think focusing on the things that God's clearly revealed and you're going to experience the ups and downs of life just like Paul. But yeah, I I think the more clear you are on what kind of community that you're after, you recognize focusing on the mission of God, focusing on helping people, calling other people to follow Jesus together is going to result in that fruit in ways that are so sweet that, that you can never produce on your own. Yeah. Maybe a better phrase would be like, if you're focused on the will of God you can't help but experience both community and mission. You know, because the temptation is to overemphasize one or the other. And, yeah, and, and I think yeah. I think that that word community, it just, the more we talk about it, the more it exposes, you reference selfishness, because mm. it, it relates so much to what I expect of other people and how they should be acting and how they should be treating me and path of uh, selfishness and how I'm experiencing and feeling things. It doesn't lead towards all of the joy and the, the harvest that James describes. It leads towards the conflict and quarrels that he describes in chapter four, where if you focus on, okay, let's let's focus on what God has made clear. You say the will of God made known to us in the scriptures and what the Spirit's calling us into. That focus is going to produce the fruit mm. of community that I, I think actually you desire. Yeah. Yeah. As we're closing up here, Josh, like I want to just ask, are there any resources that you would recommend to our listeners on the topic of either Christian community or prayer for the lost? Is, is there anything that you find really helpful that connects the dots between community and, and prayer? I'll, I'll uh, reference one just because it's one that I read and found helpful some years ago, and it's called The Compelling Community. Okay. And it's by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop, and it gets into some of what we've talked about. These aren't thoughts that originate with me. He, he really describes a difference between sort of natural communities that we have in Supernatural, and that gets into the idea that community doesn't produce commitment, but that it flows from commitment. Mm, and mm. Similar to the concept that we're talking about here. The overlap of prayer you might extend into some other books. I know that there's 
there's maybe some that you'll be discussing at future podcasts. But if I had to just pick one related to community and yeah. what we're talking about, I think I'd go with the compelling community. Well, thanks so much. It's been a joy to talk with you, and it's been a joy to be in community with you for the last 10 years, various ways. So love you so much, brother. Yeah, praise God. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pray the Miracle podcast. We pray that you found this week's episode helpful and inspiring. Our challenge for this year is to pray for two people who are close to you, but far from God. And so we created a special tool to help you to do just that. It's an email list that will send you a simple action step each week, but all of them are designed to get you praying and sharing. You can sign up for a 13-week challenge, a solid 26-week challenge, or go all the way and do the 40-week challenge by going to bethanycentral.org slash pray the miracle.